Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Go with me if you would to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. I'm going to read a probably a familiar passage. I mean, even some of the newest members to the kingdom believers uh, and even unbelievers have heard this story of the prodigal son. And I uh, just want to pull some truths out here. Hope that we can uh, see something new. You always want to come in teachable, ready to see something new. Amen. I don't want to come in and hear the same old boring stuff. Uh, I don't want to come in here and just present it as, okay, we're just getting into the word. I mean, this thing is so full of life. You can read the same thing a million times and see something different every time. And um, so God is always wanting to reveal himself through his word. And so we need to come with the receptivity and a, and a uh, intentionality to God. Show me something I've never seen. And so here in Luke chapter 15, starting with verse 11. It says, then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me, that falls to me. So notice he's not asking for something that doesn't belong to him. He's not robbing his father. He's not stealing from him. This is his right. This is uh, uh, something that belongs to him. It's an, it is his inheritance, it's just that it is out of timing, out of season. And so there are seasons in our life by Jewish tradition and and culture, uh, this young son would have received this inheritance when his father passed on. But up until then, he's living under the provision of his father. He's living under uh, his father's roof. Everything that this inheritance contains, he already has except for one thing independence. He really doesn't want wealth. He wants disconnection. He wants separation. He wants independence. He wants what his father has without having to be connected to the father. Because the stuff that he has or the stuff that he's asking for, he already has in his possession. Everything that his father has belongs to him. In fact, he has more because uh, as the younger son, he would have received a third of the estate and the older son would have received two thirds of the estate. But in the, in the current state, in the current position he's in, he has access to 100% of it. <laughs> Come on now. He's got all of it. Anything that belongs to his father belongs to him. Anything that it is his father's duty to provide for his child, for his son. And we know the heart of his father because the heart of the father is to grant to the son. He, he, doesn't, say, he doesn't hold him out and, and, and you know, uh, scold him, rebuke him. He, he goes on and he actually gives the son what he wants. You know, God will let you have what you want. You might find out that it's not really what you wanted, but he'll let you have what you want. 
If you want independence, he'll give you independence. If you want separation, he'll give you separation. He'll give you all the time you need to go out on your own, do what you need to do. And, and, and when you figure it out, come back to him. But if that's what you want, he'll give it to you. God isn't strangleholding anybody in the kingdom of God. He's not holding anybody to this book and said, I told you to do this, do this, do this, do this. He's not holding anybody to that. He's saying, this is here. This is the best life you'll ever live. I've got everything you'll ever need. I've got your needs taken care of before you even know that you need them. If you just follow the obedience of the word, the provision will follow that. But you want separation, you want independence. The, the young man wanted to be able to use it how he pleased, use it for what he thought was his benefit. He wanted to be able to take the good from his father, and we find that he ends up using it for evil. And so uh, we go on here. The father uh, in verse 13, uh, no, continuing in verse 12 there, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me, belongs to me, So he divided to them his livelihood. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country. I mean, he didn't even want to be in the, you know, anywhere near. He's like, I'm getting as far away as possible. Isn't that what we do with God sometimes? That we we, we don't even want to be close because we know that conviction will show up. We know that uh, we'll start having the, he's, he's right there. He can see me. He can reach me. So he's going as far as possible to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Wasted his possessions. What was supposed to be a blessing to him ended up bringing a burden upon his life. What was supposed to be an investment ended up being wasted. And this is the thing, is this story is really about maturity. Maturity. And maturity, to be mature, really has nothing to do with age. It has nothing to do with time. It's a matter of responsibility. Maturity is always defined by responsibility. It's defined by what can you handle responsibly. That's what maturity is. I don't care how old you are. I don't care uh, uh, how many years you have. I don't care how many degrees you have, how, how, you know, how long you've been at one place or done this or done that. Maturity is not defined by those things. To determine the maturity level of someone is to determine what can they handle responsibly, which means when something is handled responsibly, it's a benefit to me, not a curse. When I handle a vehicle responsibly, it's a benefit getting me from point A to point B. If I'm irresponsible, it can damage me, it can damage others, it can be an outright weapon. If I handle a gun responsibly, but we know that anything can be handled responsibly or irresponsibly. That's up to the user. We live in a culture that wants to devalue certain things in life because irresponsible, immature people handle them improperly. So guess what? The responsible people have to pay the price too. Isn't that the culture we live in? If they can't use it, no one can use it, right? I don't know how many times my brother messed up something and I couldn't have access to it because he messed it up. I know what I'm doing. I know how to play the video game and get off when you say get off. But because he stayed on it 15 minutes longer than he was supposed to, ain't nobody touching video games for seven days. Thanks, bro. 
appreciate that. So, we have to learn how to handle things properly and responsibly. And you'll never handle something responsibly out of season. You'll never handle something responsibly out of season. Sometimes it's not a matter of being taught. It's not a matter of knowing what to do. It's a matter of the season of your life. And sometimes we mishandle things because we've been given access to it too soon. God has an order to things. God has, God has a certain, uh, uh, God is not a God of chaos. God doesn't just scatter stuff out there. He knows what he's doing. He knows what you need in the season that you need it for the right timing. And, 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 and if you don't have access to it today, it's either because you're, it's out of season or you're out of place. If you don't have access to something today, it's either because you're out of season or you're out of place. Period. Otherwise, God wants you to have it. God wants to bless you with it. God wants, to, God wants it to be in your possession. But, but this is what I know, is my level of what I can handle responsibly is always determined by what I have handled responsibly. God isn't up there guessing. God isn't up there in heaven saying, let's see if they can do it. Let's see if they can handle it. Let's see if they can. No, no, no. You have proven to him what you can handle by what you're doing with what you already have. And so many times we neglect what we have now for what's next. We want the promotion. We want the larger bank account. We want the, the relationship. Uh, uh, we want the family. We, we want whatever we want in life at the neglect of what we already have in our hands. And God is saying, I, you are telling me what you can handle by what you're neglecting today. You're communicating that to me. He's not in heaven saying, I'm, I'm withholding. I don't want him to have it. No, he is very uh, 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 determined through the parable of the servants, the parable of the talents, that it was what they, what they proved themselves capable of handling that determined what he could give them. You're telling God right now, today, with whatever's in your possession, whatever, you, whatever level of influence you have, whatever job you're in, whatever relationship you have, you are communicating to God what you can handle, not by what you have, but by how you handle it. It's not what you have, but it's how you handle it. And you'll find out that you could actually do more with less if you fully sold out to it. You could actually do more. God could, could move, move through you, work through you, and accomplish more with less if you handled what you have now properly. If that, if that uh, servant with the one had taken the one and rather than burying it in the ground where it's out of sight, out of mind, but had put it in a bank to incur interest or had gone and traded like the other two servants, he could have done more with less because God's not asking for him to produce five or 10. He's asking for him to produce two. At least give me what I gave you plus some. That's what the master said. That's what he came back and said. You should have at least put it in the bank with the, with, with, with the bankers and they, and they could have added interest to what I've given you. And so we've got to be careful with what we have, what we 
have in our hands. And it's not about what you have, but it's about how you handle it. And so this young man takes something that was a blessing, takes something that was rightfully his, belonged to him, but it was out of season. And then on top of that, he wastes it. I mean, he didn't even use it for anything that would benefit him, which is usually what happens when you're given something out of season. You usually mishandle it and become irresponsible with it. I mean, if I gave the keys to my truck to my son and said, all right, you're driving me home, I'm tired. We ain't getting home. We're probably not even getting out of the parking lot. And who knows what's happening to the vehicle, to somebody else, to somebody's house. (laughs) Who knows, you're gonna back up right out of here and go right up through somebody's front door. It's dangerous. But one day in the not so distant future, about 10 years, well, really about, about eight years. Oh, God. <laughs> He'll be asking for the keys. He'll be going out to the driveway and sitting in the other seat. But he'll have to have what? Proven himself mature enough to handle it responsibly. And anytime you can't handle something responsibly, you don't get to handle it at all. You don't get access to it at all. Something that was meant to help you harms you. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land. Notice that, you know, the famines, the trials, the struggles, they come. That famine was coming regardless whether he was out on his own or he was at home. But what happens? You, you, you eliminate the protection of the house. You eliminate the protection. At least if he would have been at his father's house, he would have been up under his father's protection from something like that. That even if the trial came, he would have been in an environment where he would have been safe. He would have been protected. He would have had somebody you know, helping him. But instead, now this storm comes. See, so many times we neglect or, or, or we abandon God's house because things are good. Skies are clear. Everything's great. And then you get out there and the storms of life come, the trials and the challenges and the famines and the things start coming and tossing you around because you're not in place. I mean, we, 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 we've been talking about the sea. We've been talking about, uh, uh, you know, we've, we've been doing that for several weeks now. And, and, and in the parable of the sower, there's one instance where it says that the sun came up and choked out or, or, or burnt up, uh, you know, one of the plants that was starting to come through because it didn't have enough roots. Well, last time I checked, sun was an ingredient for growth. But when you're not in the right environment, even something that's supposed to help you and develop you will harm you. You ended up, we, we, we end up compromised in our lives And even the things that are supposed to help our development and our growth hinder us, harm us. It's a dangerous way to live. You don't want to live outside of the provision of the Father's house. You don't want to live disconnected from the covering of the Father. He's trying to protect you. He's trying to keep you. Yeah, the the skies may be clear today. Yeah, everything may be good. Not a challenge against you. Everything feels like, but what are you going to do when they do come? 
You can't have a run back mentality. You can't neglect God, neglect his word when everything's good, and then run back to it when you need it. That's not how God works. That's not how this system works. God doesn't want to just be the bailout program. He wants to be the one that supplies your every need according to his glorious riches, where? In glory. The glorious riches are where he is. You don't get to take the glorious riches and abandon, neglect, and then go out and do your own thing. Separate, disconnect. And then we end up in the, the bailout program. Then we end up in this, 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 this idea that God is like the government. I've got myself in a mess. He'll come get me out. I'm thankful that Jesus is a savior. But the Bible doesn't tell me to confess him as savior. It tells me to confess him as Lord, owner, manager, ruler. He's the one that calls the shots. I'm thankful for what he did, but I don't serve him for what he did. I serve him for who he is. What he did was just the thing that got me in, but now I've got to discover who he is. He's Lord, which means I've got to be in his house, submitted to his rules, submitted to his plan to receive the benefits and the blessings and the provisions of the house. And so he's spent it all. And there arose a severe famine in the land. And he began to be in want. That word want is the same word lack. It means to come short. It means to come short. Now he's come up short. Now he's in a place where he can't make ends meet. Now he's in a place, we find out he's even in a place of, of near death because of starvation. He doesn't even have access to food. Look what this says. Uh, it, it says... Uh, he began to be in want. He went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And that's what we do. We, we, we don't come to God immediately. We try to find out the world's way to bail us out or the world's way to help us. But eventually their help is gonna run out. Their systems won't keep you alive. I'm telling you right now. You can't take the blessings of God, blow it, and then expect the world to keep you alive. They're not interested in keeping you alive. Let me just tell you. The world's stuff will not keep you alive. The world don't care about you. The enemy doesn't care about you. He doesn't care if you die. He doesn't care if you pass on. He doesn't care if you, if you ever go back to God. He doesn't care at all. You can attach yourself to that stuff, but now you're serving it, serving the world rather than influencing it. He could have been in a position to help the citizen of this country that's being attacked by a famine. He can't help them because he needs even what they have. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And then watch this. And no one gave him anything. No one gave him anything. Even the world will cut you off. <laughs> even the world will say, we can't help you. Even the world will give up on you. Even the world will, will, will abandon you and neglect you. So, now he's in real dire situation. In verse 17, and when he came to himself, that's amazing. When he came to himself. Lack is an incredible motivator. Come on now. Sometimes I think we have too much. 
And you know us, we believe in being a blessed church. We believe in being taken care of. We believe in a God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We believe, but, but there are times God will never bless you at the expense of your trust in him. God will never bless you at the expense of your trust in him. And that's what a lot of people ask for. They just want the blessing of God, but they don't want the relationship. They don't want the connection. God will, God, there, there's, there's ways. I'll tell you what, when, when, when lack lets you know what's important. Lack lets you know what is valuable. And when the whole recession thing hit in 2008, we all found out what was a commodity and what was a necessity, didn't we? We all found out, you know what? I can cut my own grass. I don't need to pay these people $100 a month to come out here and do this. Cable's really not that important. I don't need to eat at Chick-fil-A every day. I'll bag my own lunch, right? You start finding out what is the difference between a commodity and a necessity. You start finding out what, what is really valuable, what's really important, what are the non-negotiables in my life. Lack will do that. And now he's in a position of want. Now he's in a position of, of need. And he says, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? They don't just eat good. They have leftovers over there. They can heat that stuff up in the microwave later, later on for a midnight snack. Like they ain't just barely getting by. God is not a barely getting by God. I want you to know that tonight. God is not a barely getting by. God, will, God knows how to overdo it. God knows how to go above and beyond, exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. That's the God I serve. God is the God that he'll multiply the food and then send you with 12 big old baskets. I and mean, he's got doggy bags lined up here. Take some for later. It's like my wife's mom, my mother-in-law. We always leave that house. I mean, she will put it in our car for us. Even if, no, no, we don't, we don't, we got a three hour drive back to Val. It's gonna sit there. It's gonna smell up the whole car. It's no good, but she is, the, she is the leftover master. I mean, she will bag it up. She will send us home with Ziploc bags, Tupperware containers, freezer bags. I mean, she, she, they, they, I have never been to one of their events ever where we ran out of nothing. And that's the way my God is. Can you imagine being God? He's never run out of anything. Isn't that amazing? Never run out. Never open the fridge. Oh, we're, we're out. It's never even come out of his mouth. That's not, we're out of grace. Sorry, ran out of grace today. Come back next week. Nope, he's got plenty. The Bible says his mercies are new Every day, that truck comes in every night while you're sleeping and you're worried about all the things you messed up. He say, hey, I got some more, don't worry about it. We got plenty to go around. We ain't running around, around here. Get you some. That's the God I serve. He said, even the hired servants. Now remember, we've got a son, not a servant. I'm gonna preach a message one time called Slaves, Servants, and Sons. 
We're going to categorize all three of them. But this kid is a son, and now he's reduced himself to just a mere servant, which even the servants in the kingdom of God are very well taken care of. You ever notice that? Like, you, you see like the palaces, like you ever study like the old, old time kingdoms. I'm sure it's not that much that way anymore. But, you know, back in the day, the, the, how well the servants were taken care of was a depiction and a reflection of how well the king was doing. If the servants aren't doing well, the king's not doing well. That's how a kingdom operates. God doesn't operate a, a, a monarchy or a, a, a democracy or, you know, any of this stuff that we know. God is a king. And kings understand that the wealth of the nation reflects the wealth of the king, not the other way around. If my, if my citizens, my slaves, my servants, if they're not doing well, it's a depiction on me. It reflects back on me. So I'm going to make sure every citizen in this kingdom is taken care of, is doing well. That's the real mark of how well a king is doing. And they took that seriously. Even the servants are taken care of with enough to spare. So he, he ran away. His independence cost him the protection of the house. Now we see that his independence cost him the provision of the house. Look, you know, we have to come to, to points in our lives where we have to determine what's more important. I mean, I was just having a conversation with myself today about this in the truck. That's what I do. I talk to myself. And I'm listening to the radio. I got this new XM satellite radio. I never knew about that. That thing is incredible. There's so much stuff out there. So I'm listening to ESPN, and one of the guys is on there talking about uh, uh, in football, you know, last year the New Orleans Saints had a, had a game that was cost to them because there was an incorrect no-call made on a pass interference. Any guys know what I'm talking about? Any ladies know what I'm talking about? I don't want to cut you out, you know. You might know what I'm talking about too. So they've got this new rule. Uh, they're, they're talking about review, you know, because you can go back on instant replay and see everything. It's all because of human error. All of this stuff is coming in because, simply because of human error. Because what? We mess up. We mess up. And so they want to ensure that these referees, these calls are correct. So a while back, I guess a few months ago, they had ruled that pass interference calls uh, were now reviewable. You could look at them. Up until then, you couldn't. And within two minutes, they were automatic reviews. Well, today or yesterday or whenever, they rescinded that. And they said that uh, we're not going to make them automatic reviews, but the coaches can throw the flag and they can ask for a review if they have a flag. If they don't have a flag, then too bad. And so now they're complaining because they're, they're, they're not gonna be able to review these calls like they thought they were. And they said the reason was, was because too many stoppages of time. Within the last two minutes of the game, we could be stopping the game, you know, almost on every single play to review a pass interference call. Well, you got to decide what's more important, getting the call right or the length of the game. <laughs> the problem is in our culture, what I'm trying to get to is we want too much. We want 
too much. And we have all these devices and we have so many things in our lives that allow us to have more than we've ever had before. But the problem is, is when you have too much, you don't know what is really worth it, what is really valuable, what really is worth the cost. And and, and today we, we can answer all the options. We can check all the boxes, but sometimes, especially in the kingdom of God, you just have to make a decision. What's more, what's more valuable? What's more important to me? And that's what this prodigal son is figuring out now. What's more important to me? For me to die out here in my independence or swallowing my pride, going back and saying, I'm just gonna be a servant. At least the servants are taken care of. Now, again, this is human thought process. Keep this in mind because we're gonna find out it doesn't go according to plan. In our eyes, when we receive guilt and condemnation, when conviction shows up, we begin to formulate a plan of how God's gonna fix this. That's what we do. He's he's talking to himself. He's saying, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise. Look, he's, he's spelling it out. I will arise. I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Okay, you see this? Verse 19. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. This is called guilt and condemnation. Because guilt and condemnation will reduce you below what you are. Notice that in the midst of his prodigal runnings and and wild living and, and blowing his inheritance, he never not became a son. You cannot be a servant, but you can never not be a son. But now his full on identity has been compromised internally by his actions. I wanna just show you something amazing about God. In verse 20, and he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. That was the father's response just to see in the son begin. See, God is waiting for you. You gotta make the first step. You gotta go in that direction. He's not gonna come drag you back. Okay, you're, you're doing bad. Come on back to the house. I wanna take care. No, no, you've gotta be intentional. You've gotta take the initiative. You've gotta take the step. But when you take that step, God's steps are a lot bigger than our steps, amen? And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. So far, everything's going according to plan, right? That's just as he said back in verse uh, 18. But then we don't make it to verse 19. He says, I've sinned. I'm not worthy to be called your son. And then the father chimes in, verse 22. But the father said to his servants, He doesn't even respond to that. The father says to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet. 
Bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. This is what I find so interesting about what the son thought he was gonna do versus what the father did. The son declared his past, declared I have sinned, declared I have failed, declared I've messed up, but the father did not allow him to determine his future. You declare your past, but you do not get to determine your future. That's up to God. And he's already determined your future. It's already past tense. The identity of the son was blood. The identity of the son was we gave birth to you. We brought you into this world. You belong to us as a son, not as a servant. You don't get to come in here and tell me, make me a servant. You don't get to come in here and just let me just be in the house and eat the leftover. You don't get to determine that. And this is what the enemy wants to do. Because if the enemy can't rob you of forgiveness, he will rob you of total restoration. But notice here, the father wasn't just interested in pardoning his sin. The the father was interested in placing him back into his original position. The father said, I forgive you. Thank you for declaring the sin. You've got to declare the sin. You've got to declare you've missed it. You've got to recognize that I'm in need of a savior. But once you do that, God takes it from there and says, let me tell you what your future's like. And you don't get to tell him, I'm only gonna do this or I'm only gonna do that or I'm only gonna have access to this because we would all like to come in and short. But God isn't shortchanging us. He's putting back on you the same standard you had before. You're a son. You're gonna live like a son. You're going to dress like a son. You're going to act like a son. You're going to eat like a son. You're going to live like a son. You are going to be a son because you are. A God won't let you. And that's what we think when we blow it, when we mess up, when we run off, when we disconnect, when we want to enjoy our own independence, even at the compromise of our protection, our potential, our purpose, our provision. We want to come back in and say, well, I guess I'm only going to be able to be used here. I'm only going to be able to do this. And look, there are steps to restoration. There are things that you're going to have to prove back out, be accountable for. You're going to have to step up into things. There's still consequences. I'm not removing that. God's not removing that. But at the end of the day, your identity is as a son. And the enemy is great. He's okay. He's fine with you going back to daddy's house but living like a servant. Because you're no threat to him as a servant. If you not only recognize who you are, but recognize that you could not be reduced to anything below who you are, you now pose a threat to the kingdom of darkness. This is a picture of believers. This is a son that disconnected. This isn't an unbeliever. This is a son that was in the house under the rule, under the submission. An unbeliever wouldn't even be in the house. This is a picture of believers that were in the house. So regardless of what has happened, regardless of what we've done, regardless of what we've seen, you can't remove the identity that God has placed on your life. You can't do it. 
We don't get to tell God what we're going to come in and do. We don't get to tell God what level we're going to produce now. We don't get to determine our future. We declare the past, but he determines the future. He determines your level of production. He determines what is inside of you. The, 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 the seed doesn't get to say, well, I guess there's no tree anymore. No, the tree's still there. You are in an environment that was that was uh, not allowing it to come out, not allowing it to fully develop. But man, if we get that seed back in the environment, that tree will come forth. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain. And then we get to be a productive harvest for the kingdom of God. The father didn't just want to pardon him. He wanted to place him in the house. It goes on to say in verse 25, now in contrast, now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard the music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, he couldn't even call him his brother. He didn't say, but as soon as my brother, he said, as soon as this son of yours. You ever ever dealt with passive aggressive people? (laughs) That's what he's doing here. Son of yours came who has devoured your livelihood with harlots. You killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found in closing. It's sad that even in the house and even with the provision, we somehow think it's a result of what we do. Notice that both sons neglected relationship. One neglected relationship by literally separating. The other one neglected relationship by doing something out of action with the motive of if I do this, I'll get this. Not out of a real relationship that says, I want to serve my father. I love my father. I want to have my father's best interest at heart. That's what real relationship is. Relationship isn't doing stuff for someone. Relationship isn't having it all together. Relationship isn't reading my Bible. Bible, going to uh, uh, church regularly, having church friends, praying all the time. No, those things are done because of the relationship. And anytime we have that twisted or we have our motives incorrect, we're just as disconnected as those that run away. Do not fool ourselves. We cannot fool ourselves into thinking that because we're under the roof, we're in the house. No, he abandoned just as much as the prodigal son did. He neglected just as much because he thought his actions 
would produce relationship. But the father says, no, relationship produces actions. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithaboutaustin.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.